I used to pride myself on setting goals and hitting them. This year, 2020, and before the pandemic, this has nothing to do with pandemic, I never hit my goals ever because I shoot so big, right? But I'm having more success now than I've ever had when I used to hit every single goal. So I just want people to know like, it's time to think bigger. It's time to go after it, but it's okay if you don't hit it or you make a mistake or you have this big lesson learned. Stacey Tushel always knew she was going to be an entrepreneur. She was born into a family of them. What she didn't know is that she would one day create a very successful business helping others grow their own small businesses. You're about to find out how Stacy runs two companies, one brick and mortar and one online, and learn how she advises her clients to find success of their own. Episode number 43 of Power Forward starts right now. This is Power Forward. The primary purpose of this podcast series is to inform, entertain, and educate. The information, opinions, and recommendations presented in this podcast series do not constitute legal or other professional advice, opinions, or endorsements of any kind. All right, welcome back to Power Forward. Justin White alongside Mateen Cleaves. Mateen, how you doing, my friend? Oh, Justin, man, I'm flying high, man. Everything is good. Great to see you as always. And, you know, I am super excited for this episode today, Mateen, because, you know, as you know, uh, we are all about trying to help our entrepreneurs out there, our small business owners. You know, they have so much on their plates. They have so many things they need to attend to. Um, you know, whatever we can do to help them out through this podcast really uh, is just icing on the cake. And our guest today, uh, that is her job. She is out there trying to do the same exact thing. And she just so happens to be a small business owner and entrepreneur herself. She, actually, Mateen, I'm just going to throw this your way before we even bring her in. She is the 2019 Wisconsin Small Business Person of the Year. Oh, how about that? That's whoa, that's a big deal. That's I know, I know. Yes. And with that, we will say hello to Stacy Tushel, the CEO and founder of the Foot Traffic Formula. Stacy, it's great to have you. Thanks so much for joining us. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. So, so many things that, that I want to pick your brain on today, Stacey, but I feel like, you know, uh, with, you know, the, the current time we're living in, I, I always like to ask people, how are you? You know, it, it's a simple question, but I feel like yeah. it's one that a lot of people overlook, especially in a, in a business setting where people are trying to get things done. And obviously we're here to talk about business and for you to give advice to our listeners. But first and foremost, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. I, I've got this weird, like I'm torn a little bit because I own a brick and mortar and then I own an online business. The online business is thriving. We're having record months. And then I have this brick and mortar where who knows what's going to happen? Who knows if we're going into another shutdown? Uh, we're, I'm here in Wisconsin. This past week, our governor um, kind of gave some suggestions, right? Not any any um, shutdowns yet, but it's just, it's it's a scary time because when you don't know what's coming, no one likes uncertainty. Nobody likes not being able to see what the next two, three, four months are going to look like. No, they, they sure don't. And <clears throat> let me ask you this while we're on that topic. Yeah. What would be your advice to someone that's kind of worried about it and they're kind of freaking out because they because they don't know what's yeah. what's next? Yeah. So I kind of had that moment this weekend of a lot of free time with my family and sometimes free time. If you're type A like me, 
is not a good thing because you're like, I don't know what to do. So my brain is going, my mind is spinning. And I found myself worrying, which I know that being a business owner, as long as I've been, I know that worrying is so unproductive. It, It truly is. And you can send yourself down this spiral. So I had to like own my pity party just for a moment and acknowledge it because it is real, right? It's there and I need to see that. But at the same time, I say to myself, what can I do that's going to be more productive? What can I do to set myself up? So if the worst case scenario happens, the thing in my head that I'm envisioning, if it happens, how will I be the strongest, like the best position to be in if that situation occurs versus spending time worrying, not being more prepared and honestly getting in worse shape. So um, I'll have those moments and I want people to, to know that are listening. If you have those moments too, it's okay. Like acknowledge it, but then start to ask yourself, what can I do to move forward? So Stacy, off the top of the show, I, I gave a couple of the, the top lines on your resume. Uh, you, you've been an entrepreneur now for more than 15 years. You're a performance yeah. coach. You're a speaker. You're an author. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you've got a book. You've got your own podcast. So kind of give us a sense of how this all came to be. You know, how, how did you end up in, in this career where you're out there helping other people? Yeah. So it was never the plan. I actually, my background is dance. I was in high school. I fell in love with dancing. I realized that I wasn't going to be a professional. It wasn't something I was going to continue after. So I go on to the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee, going to get uh, just a, a degree to get a real job, a regular nine to five. And what happens is I think, well, how can I continue to do dance and still grow that passion? So I thought, well, I'm just going to see if anybody in my area wants to start a dance team. So I put up flyers, 17 middle schoolers come to start a competitive dance team. Three years later, a hundred kids come. (laughs) It starts to snowball. And thankfully I grew up in an entrepreneurial family. So here in Wisconsin, my family um, has a family business of digging basements for houses. So we're in the construction space. My grandfather started it like 50 plus years ago. So even though I grew up in an entrepreneurial family, it wasn't like we were taught start your own business, right? But I think I had a lot of those characteristics from just watching. So thankfully, my family said, I think you have a business here. I think you could take these hundred kids and really put your time and energy into it because I was a full time student and I was doing this just on Sundays. So I had a hundred kids in a one day coming in the backyard to take classes. And then in the winter, a church basement, they donated the space. So A few years in, we started to really, I started to really focus on it. And what you focus on starts to increase. And we started to massively increase. You know, back in 2008, when there was a massive recession, we were growing and scaling quickly. Uh, We, you know, people were shutting down their businesses and we actually ended up getting a million dollar loan for a custom like built facility for our dance studio. So it was a very different situation back for us in, in the last recession. And I think it naturally started to spark people saying, teach me how you're doing this. Tell me what you're doing. How can I learn from you? And it was kind of like, "Um, okay, I mean, I can share what I'm doing, but it's nothing special or it's not. And then as I started to teach, I realized, wow, this is not as like coming natural to some people and they needed that guidance. So that's kind of how I transitioned into teaching others. It was just from taking my experience and showing what we've done. Wow. And let me ask you this, because I mean, that's amazing, man. I mean, kudos to you, man, for making it happen. And I always, you know, I speak to our leaders here at our company, some great leaders, especially the younger ones. They always come in and, and they're ready to write a bunch of stuff down about leadership. And I said, 
it's really not that hard. Uh, you know what I mean? If you care about people and you like to help people, in my opinion, I believe you could be a great leader. So um, was that like some of the reactions that you had from some of your, you know, people reaching out to you saying, hey, relax, man. It's really not that hard. Yeah. And, and really second guessing myself. Like I had a friend whose husband was a doctor who said he's actually leaving. He's going to open up his own Medi spot and he wants your advice. And I'm like, how am I going to teach a doctor? Like I'm a dance instructor. Like my <laughs> mind was blown. He came over to my house because I personally knew him and I couldn't believe the stuff that he wasn't grasping because he was never taught some of those things. So I started to gain more and more confidence when I realized this isn't easy as I think, or not that it's not easy. We make it way harder than it needs to be. Right. right? So I just need to like, con- like simplify things for people. And that's, I think the theme of a lot of my teaching. It, it seems Stacy, like more than ever, you know, people are, people are looking to do this. They want to become entrepreneurs. They want to yeah. be their own boss. Um, for you, um, when you look back on your path and your journey, you know, what, what is most appealing to you, uh, about kind of controlling your own destiny and being in that spot where you're the one who's calling the shots and you're the one who's steering the ship, so to speak. Yeah. I think just for me growing up, I naturally was looking back the leader or kind of the bossy sister (laughs) I'll say, um, or the person that always like wanting to be in charge of something or volunteering or be the captain of the dance team, like looking back, I can now see wow, I really had that, that natural, like wanting to step into it. So I think knowing for me, I have ideas, I'm a strategist, I'm a visionary. And for me, being able to have an idea and implement it and not have to get permission or see what other people think, that's exciting to me that I get to, you know, think of something and then create it. I love it. And and what you had, uh, Stacey, was the yeah. it factor. <laughs> and very, very few have that. But do you feel like that can be taught? Is that a correct characteristic that can be taught? Yeah, I I think so. I used to think if you're like a natural born entrepreneur, like you would be doing it from this, like from the get go, like you would just know. And looking now and even finding out, you know, growing up and watching my grandfather in my mind, he had always been an entrepreneur. I had found out later after I was actually writing a book and, and talking to my grandma, interviewing her about some stuff. He didn't even start his business until he was 40 years old. I had no idea. My mind, I just thought, no, that's what they always were. No, he worked for somebody else until he was 40. And then he started his business that now is 50 plus years old. Um, And it's, it's crazy how... Sometimes you just don't know. And then somebody tells you like you are meant for this or you are good at this. And until somebody can show or um, kind of like transfer that confidence to you, sometimes you just don't know. And then because you have that lack of confidence, you're not moving forward where you should be. All right. So, so here's a question for you. Yeah. When, when you're working with a client, when someone comes to you, brand new client, you know, where do you start? You know, in terms of breaking them down and figuring out what they're all about and what their vision is and what they're trying to accomplish, you know, when you first get your hands on them, so to speak, yeah. uh, where, where do you first go? So I always like to start with the end in mind. What do they want? What are they trying to achieve? A lot of people, they don't work like that. They start in order, right? They're like, no, 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 I I need to have this first. I'm like, yes, but it's kind of like looking at a map and getting so close to where you are that if you don't see where you're going or what you want to accomplish or where you're trying to get to, you're not going going to get there, right? So we, we start to paint the picture of that vision of what are we trying to do and what are we trying to accomplish? And then we assess their strengths, their weaknesses, 
what is the fastest way to get there? I actually have this on my whiteboard. It says, do we have the right processes, projects, and people to get us to our results as fast as possible? And I ask myself that every day, processes, projects, and people, right? So when somebody's coming to me, that's the first thing, first thing I ask, I'm like, how do we get you profitable as fast as possible? Or if really break even as fast as possible, then profitable. But what are we going to need? What resources do we need to get you there as fast as possible? Mm, I like that. Now, now, far as people with own business, I know one of the biggest fears are making a mistake. Yeah. You know, a lot of people are afraid to do certain things because they're worried about making a mistake. What 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 is what would be your advice to some of those oh, yeah. people that's worried about making a mistake? Yeah, we could do a whole podcast on all the mistakes <laughs> that I've made and how they just turned into the, these phenomenal things that sparked something else, right? Um, literally, I was interviewed by somebody. He's like, I feel like the theme of the podcast was your mistakes. I'm like, I know, but these are valuable life lessons that transition us, you know, into the next thing. So you can't be. I mean, first of all, to be afraid of it, sure. Okay, you can be afraid of it, but you have to do it anyway. You have to step into it anyway. I remember when I wrote my first book, I was very nervous of what were people going to think. In my mind, my identity, I was a dancer. I was a dance teacher. And now I'm trying to convince people I'm an author. That was a very scary, how am I going to tell people, right? But I did it anyway, right? I, I, I'm like, it's here. I created it. And people were like, what? I didn't even know you were writing a book, right? But I did it anyway. And that's the thing I want you to understand is you're going to be uncomfortable. You're going to have to, you're going to make mistakes. I mean, it's inevitable. If you're not making mistakes or not making enough mistakes, you're probably not trying hard enough. You're probably not going after goals or big enough goals. I would say, you know, 10 years ago, I used to pride myself on setting goals and hitting them. This year, 2020, and before the pandemic, this has nothing to do with pandemic. I never hit my goals ever because I shoot so big, right? But I'm having more success now than I've ever had when I used to hit every single goal. So I just want people to know, like, it's time to think bigger. It's time to go after it. But it's okay if you don't hit it or you make a mistake or you have this big lesson learned. Thank you. I'm, See now you're now you're speaking you. Mateen's language. There, there it is, right there. Yes, thank you. And I and I and I'll let you get your question in, Justin. But I just got to chime in on this. Thank you so much for saying that because I think it's so many people they're afraid. One of my sayings, and I, I forget who I heard it from, is your your will to win must be greater than your fear of losing. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people won't set goals because they're worried about what if they don't hit it. But if you don't hit it, that's okay. Self evaluate, make adjustments, and go back for it. So mm -hmm. thank you, Stacey. I love it. Thank yeah. you so much. Thank you. <laughs> and did you find, Stacey, that you know when you when you do talk about struggles um, and, and some of the the goals you don't hit and some of the failures, does that you know kind of resonate with people? Because then they can say to themselves, "Yeah, I, I can relate to that." Because all of us have gone through those things. What's your take on that? Yeah, one of my weaknesses is I'm a very private person and it's a weakness because people want to know you. They want to know that you're not perfect and you are scared in a pandemic. And like, that doesn't make me, that's not a bad thing. People are like, oh, thank you. Okay, because if she's not feeling that, I don't know that I can get there. But knowing that like, I do have some fear, I do have some anxiety, but I'm also like realistically optimistic as well, right? People like that energy and I need to share more. So even I remember when the pandemic hit, 
and my my business was completely shut down. Uh, we moved to virtual, but we our doors were closed at least. I did a Facebook Live in my paid members like Facebook group, and I was super honest with them. I came on and I said, "Look, I am scrambling just like you, but here's what I am doing, and here's the moment I had." And I literally shed a tear like that morning, thinking. I could lose everything. I have commercial buildings that my studios are housed in. I own. Can I pay these mortgages? I'm personally guaranteeing those mortgages. I might lose my house. I don't know. Like literally I was spiraling out of control (laughs) and I came on and I shared that and I was like, okay, I had a 10 minute pity party. I might've cried a tiny bit (laughs) and now here's my plan and people loved it. And they were like, okay, I want to stay with you. I want to follow you. Tell me what you are doing so I can start to do those same things. So I think the more you can share, but have that plan, you've got to have some optimism because nobody wants to sit with the pity party every day either. Right? No. And, and sharing that I think helps people so much. Just like you said, you thought your grandfather had already had a business. <laughs> no, I'm sure he went through so many different mistakes and, you know, had to change and make adjustments. Yeah. So it's, I think it's so valuable for people to hear, hear that from successful people because they just mm-hmm. automatically think you were born successful and, and everything right. always went your way. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But, you know, when you think about leading a team, and I know that you have a team. And we're going to get to that because I want to, I want to go, go, kind of go inside that. But when you think about leading a team, especially during times of adversity, like we're all living through right now, I mean, there, there has to be that ability to not push the panic button, right? And, and one, yeah. one thing that, you know, that our clients talk about a lot is being adaptable, being able to pivot. Um, you, you know, when, when you think about that in, in terms of the, the way that you work with your clients, and how, how do you advise them? How, if someone says to you, you know, I just, I, I'm, I'm used to doing things a certain way. It's really hard for me to pivot. What, what kinds of advice would you offer up to someone yeah. like that? I would, I'm quite like the tough love type person. So it's like, uh, there is no, I'm not good at pivoting. Okay. <laughs> you can either be the blockbuster here or you can figure out how to be Netflix, but there is no in between. So the people that are hoping and waiting, and I think by now you probably figured out that is not a strategy that's going to work well. Um, I I really had to be that tough love person to say it is time to move like we have got to go. And uh, I think a lot of people there, again, that fear either paralyzed them or they started doing things they never in a million years would think that they were going to do. I'm real, man. That's 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 so impressive. And make the world changes like every day. And um, especially like with technology, you know, I have here, you know, tenure leaders and leaders that's been here for years, but the technology wasn't what it was. And that's, yeah. I was like, Hey man, you got to make that adjustment. I say, when I came up playing basketball, you know, if you were tall, you didn't, you stayed right by the basket. You didn't, now you got guys seven feet taking three point shots, you know mm-hmm. So now you have to adapt. So I think that's a heck of a point, Stacey. Yeah. Yeah, I think the adapting, some, one of my clients said like, what types of businesses or industries do you think are going to make it and they're going to be successful? And I was like, honestly, it's not about the business. It's about the business owner. Did they adapt? Like how agile were they? How willing were they to be coached and, and to hear an idea and move forward? Were they so consumed by the news that they were paralyzed? They couldn't even do anything or they started to believe the media. And it's like, that's, I don't think it's an industry. I don't think it's a type of business. I really believe it's the business owner that will start to look back and assess like, that's why they made it. That's what, what they did in order to get through this. Well, you know, Mateen brought up technology um, yeah. and, you know, when, when you think about 
uh, business now, uh, and, and you mentioned it, you know, you've got brick and mortar, you've also got online, mm-hmm. um, an online presence, you know, especially now, um, and you know where I'm going with this, it's social media and, and you know, go ahead and look her up, uh, look up Stacey Tushel on social media. I mean, she has so much content. I mean, I was watching some of it earlier today and there's almost too much. I, I can't mm-hmm. even get to it quickly enough, but yeah. Stacey, what is the importance um, of having that strong presence online and how do you kind of carve out your brand? What is your advice when it comes to those things? Yeah, I think um, we call ourselves a content machine. I mean, we really are like our team. We are here to provide value. We are here to show that we have our own spin on it, our own take and that we are leaders in our industry. And I think we can set the tone by putting out that content. It's so amazing that we get our own platforms, that we get to say what we want, do what we want, promote what we want, right? We don't have to pay for advertising like we used to do in radio or, you know, different things like like that. Like we get to control our feed. We get to control um, our podcasts and things like that. It's amazing. Right. Um, but so many people are under underutilizing that social media aspect. And I think if you are not putting a lot of time and energy into your social media content, I would absolutely head there, but I want you to to have a monetization plan with your content, right? When I, when I look at my clients that are coming to me and I ask me, where do they come from? I can literally hear people say and they're right read in their surveys the Facebook group uh, your po- I've been listening to your podcast for 6 months I've been following you on Instagram like they're saying these things that I know I'm not guessing I'm not going with a gut feeling I can tell you how many people last week came to us and where they found us from, right? So I just keep pouring into what is working and the more you can do that the better, right? So when you ask yourself, like, where are my clients coming from? Um, yes, keep doing what is working. But if you're if they're not coming from Instagram because you haven't been trying on Instagram, okay, well, it's time to start to test and track that information to see if it's you know an area you should be focusing on in 2021. That's a good point. And I look at it's in the bright side. That's the bright side of it. I mean, you can put so much content out there. People yeah. can follow you. Now, I want to talk a little bit about the dark side, okay? Because everybody is opinionated. You know, you putting good, you can be good. You can be so positive and putting great stuff out there. But you have these negative people that just want to take shots at you and um, be negative, be, to, quite, to, to be honest. And so how do you deal with the comments, the negative comments when people try to shoot down your dreams or tell you you can't do certain things? So how do you deal with those negative comments? Yeah, so um, first, I think it's in our head, we have this idea of how many negative comments we're going to get. I don't get very many negative comments and I'm not this shiny unicorn. It's just the fact that you're, you have to be a pretty large target, right? When you look at a Kardashian or some massive celebrity, yes, they are going to have lots of really mean people. Mm-hmm. But when you look at a small business owner and we're pretty average, and I mean, I, I may have like 35,000 followers. It sounds like a lot, but I'm not getting people to like hate mail or DM me or any of that. Okay. <laughs> okay. I also think though that it's one of those things I'm looking at a sign behind you that says do to others as you, you know, wish that or as you have them to do to you. Right. Yes. I also think that what I put out and the energy I bring, I attract certain people. Right. So there are people right now doing some things on social media and like really just like it's, it's a different world in 2020 and where we're heading. 
Yes. Are they attracting other people to disagree and be very, whether they're going the political route or religious route or whatever it is, it also depends on what you're doing. My mission is to save small business owners. And that's what I'm talking about on my platform. Right. Um, And it's, it's to really help them. So I think don't be as afraid about these people coming in and saying horrible things to you. I don't really get that many. And I have friends of very similar sizes and they don't either. However, I also have friends with hundreds of thousands and million plus, and they do have some of those people, right? They also have teams to help them manage what they're seeing and what they're not. And here's the thing. I will have a million followers one day. And I know that part of that is going to be people are going to say not nice things to me. And I'm okay with that. You just, that's part of like, that's part of the the deal, right? Gotcha. Yeah. All right. So you, you mentioned the word team. So -hmm. now I want to ask you about, you know, your business and and how you've scaled and how you've grown your business, because uh, I'm sure you got to a certain point as you're helping people and you're trying to balance everything else that's on your plate. You probably said to yourself, all right, I I, I need some help here. So uh, tell us how that process worked for you and also how you advise your clients about delegating and trying to Uh, set up a system where they can have some help so they can still keep doing what they want to do. Yeah. So I think one of the things that I've now been able to see, there's like this cycle and I see with my clients, you are overwhelmed. So you hire, but you don't know how to hire, right? So you're hiring the wrong people. You're not even training them. You're just thinking they should know what they're doing when they come on. Then you're blaming them. Like, how do they not know that what they're supposed to be doing? This is crazy, right? So now they'll even come to me and be like, I need to fire everybody in my team. They're awful. I'm like, well, you're the leader. And there's a problem here that you are not leading, right? So I was that same person. I hired my first round of people. Everybody was awful. I do air quotes because I was just not great at leading them or training them or maximizing them. So then all of a sudden you go into this place of thinking, you know what, I, I should just, I should just be a solopreneur and just forget this and go back to being overwhelmed because at least I can trust myself, right? And then you stay there long enough to realize that that is never the long-term strategy. You will burn out. You will not be happy. You will not have the freedom that you think this business is going to provide for you, right? And you either have to decide to become a better leader and start to master that skill set. I definitely, even though I said like before I was a leader, I'd be the captain, I'd be this. I was good at being in charge. Was I good at leading or getting people to get the results I wanted? I mean, I was okay, but I could have done way better. And over the last 18 years, I have definitely been focusing on my leadership skills and how I can be somebody where, you know, in the pandemic, your team can get really scared. Like, am I going to lose my job? Should I look for another job? What, 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 what should I do? Right. And I had to lead my team through that where they were positive and confident with what we were doing and the strategies we were putting in place. So there's this phrase about like, If you have a flower and it doesn't bloom, it's not the flower's fault. It's the environment. And that is absolutely what it comes to with your team. It's usually not your team member's fault. I mean, yes, sometimes, but even if it's the wrong person, you let them in, you hired them, like then be a better hirer, right? (laughs) So it's like, you have to take some accountability here for the wrong person in the wrong, you know, in the wrong position or just not shouldn't be with your team. So There's been a lot of learning curves and things like that, but I'm committed to being a better leader every day. And I think that's what we have to get um, in our heads is you don't have to be a natural born leader, but you do have to start to learn how to lead if you're going to have people on your team. I love it. Stacy is dropping jewels today. I love it. I love it. And leaders that's listening, 
please understand it's, it's okay to say, what can I do better? Yeah. That's okay. You don't always, it's easy to point the finger. Don't find the excuse, find a way. So mm-hmm. I'm glad you're saying that. Now, let me ask you this, uh, Stacey. So you're hiring, okay? It's, 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 I'm sure it's a certain type of person, there's certain things you look for yeah. and people that you hire. And what are some of those certain things that you look for in the people you're yeah. hiring? So I think I'm a ninja at hiring because <laughs> I've been doing it a long time. And I, I, like I said, I've been studying this because I'm like, how do I keep getting the wrong people? Like what is happening here? So I lo- like, there's a couple things that I do that I'll give you some tips on. So first, um, when I'm hiring for a specific role, I don't want to sugarcoat. I think a lot of us sugarcoat. And I always tell people, if this person's going to clean the toilets, you better tell them they're cleaning the toilets. Like they need to know what they're expecting here so that you're not making them hate their job when they come in and then they start to be resentful of you, right? So don't sugarcoat the job description. Be very honest about what is expected of them, right? I think they say the number one reason employees are not happy is because they don't even know what is expected of them or they feel like there's unrealistic expectations. So that's something to think about. Now, one of the things that I do, um, do you guys have a favorite place when you post a job posting that you hire? Do you, do, is there some place, like do you use Indeed or anything like that? Is there anything you use? It's probably Indeed. Okay. Let's just say, let's just say indeed, because that's a pretty popular one. Okay. So with indeed, you might put out a job posting for a receptionist, right? Somebody check email customer service. You will get like 200 resumes in 24 hours. It's insane. The amount of people you're going to get. The problem is half of them have done an auto reply. They haven't even seen your job posting. They're not interested in your specific company. They just said, anytime it says social media manager or anytime it says receptionist, throw my resume, like throw my hat in the ring. So right there, it's not the person you want. So one of the things that we do on Indeed um, is a platform that we use specifically. We don't even check the people that apply through Indeed. What happens is we set up like a fake email address. I shouldn't say fake, it's real. It's just not monitored. And that email address has an autoresponder. So when they apply through Indeed, it's like, hey, thanks for your interest for this position. If you're still interested, please fill out this Google form. Okay, so here's what happens. 200 applications turns into six people. Not even kidding, okay? So the job process, the interview process starts immediately before you even ever see them on camera, in person, whatever that looks like. So all of a sudden we go from, you know, 100, 200 people to six applications. I am not exaggerating. It will drop that drastically because people don't want to do work, right? They don't want to take the extra step. Well, do you really want the person you're hiring to not be somebody that goes the extra step? I mean, right there, it's like, that's not one of my values. I need go-getters. I need action takers. I need people to go, yeah, sure. A Google form, no problem, right? So then on that Google form, they have to answer some questions. Well, right there, it's the interview. You know, if you've ever been in in an interview and you're five minutes in and you're like, how do I get out of this interview? Like, this is going bad. We are not hiring them. I want to stop, but I have to be polite. So I got to keep going for at least 15 minutes. But in the Google form, you can go and go, no way. We're just, this is not even somebody we're going to respond to, right? So then all of a sudden, you might even get like two, three people that you like. We will give a sample project before we even step into what now is a Zoom room. It used to be, you know, in person, Um, but online, my online business, we hire all over the states or all over the country. So we do a Zoom interview. But before we get on that Zoom interview, we've seen some of their work. So if I want a customer service person that I'm hiring, I might say to them, 
thank you so much for your interest. The next step of this interview process, um, here is a sample client email we may receive. How would you respond to this? I need you good in email. I need, even if you don't know anything about my business, you can make something up. I want to make sure you I have you have spell checked it. It looks nice. It sounds nice. It sounds it sounds nice to them, even though you may have to say something that that they're not happy about. So all of a sudden, when we go to do that interview with you, there's only a couple people that even make it that far. First of all, and we've already assessed your work, and we can tell you're in alignment with what is happening. Does that make sense? Yes, it makes perfect sense. And, and and what I'm picking up here is that you have totally found a way to streamline your hiring process, which should give everybody a, a real indication of how you actually function as a business, because I'm sure you have an entire system in place, um, <laughs> which has a similar model, you know, ways you can be more efficient, ways you can streamline processes. Mm-hmm. And that actually brings me to my next point or the next thing I want to ask you about is because so many of our clients right now, they are so busy, right? Mortgage business is just crazy right now with, with interest rates being so low um, to, to the point where some of them are, are overwhelmed. Yeah. And, you know, people want to do a good job. They want to keep getting referrals. Some of them are perfectionists. Um, you know, where where do they kind of turn to, to in, in terms of some help or just knowing that, you know, they don't have to be perfect? How, how would you advise people yeah. who are in, in those shoes right now? So... One thing that people perceive of me from social media is that I am a perfectionist. And I always tell them this is the absolute opposite of who I am. I have high standards. I am not a perfectionist. And that is a big, big difference. So I am anti-perfectionist. And if I have anybody on my team that I can tell has perfectionist tendencies, I literally tell them, you're wasting my money. Like, we cannot do this. You've got to be faster. I only need you to spend 30 minutes on this, or I only need this project to take this long. Good enough is good enough, right? Now, high standards does not mean you're delivering C work, right? This might be a B plus where your customers feel loved. They feel um, that the work, the quality is there, but it doesn't need to be your A plus standard because that is way more than anybody is expecting um, or thinking that you are going to deliver, right? So I think the biggest thing you, you have to understand here is we don't have time for you to be a perfectionist. I think even our B plus is still better than most people's A. Right. Right. Yeah. So be no, okay for with sure. B plus. Yeah. And, and, those, and those of us who are, you know, to play off of that, those of us who have those type A personalities, you know, we're, we have this, this standard for ourselves. You're right. Sometimes it's, it's unreasonably high and, and you have to sit there and realize, you know, it's okay to just do a really good job as opposed to yes. strive for perfection in the interest of time, because that really matters when you're in a business. Yeah. And sometimes the perfectionist mentality, it actually hurts you way more than it helps you. If you are one of those people that like to think about that customer email and you really want to like get the information first, but they're just expecting an immediate response. They are not happy with your perfectly crafted email three days later. They would rather have had the short typo sent within three minutes than waiting for you for three days. And that's sometimes that we see that as people are just like, no, I like to brainstorm on this. I'd like to think about it. But do, is that what a customer wants, right? It's not about us. It's about them and what they need. Wow. It's funny, man. I had a leader and he said, I strive for perfection. I said, okay, that's okay. That's okay. He said, I had a, a team member that did a good job and I told him good job. And then I said, but I want you to do this. And I said, you lost that team member with, but I said, they did a good job. They were happy about it. Then you said, but I said, that's okay. You know, let them enjoy that. You know, it, it didn't have to be perfect. The job got done, but it didn't have to be perfect. So um, 
Yeah, I want to share that. But check this yeah. out. Let me let me ask you this, because I know you're a winner and you want to win. Mm-hmm. When did you start feeling comfortable delegating mm-hmm. um, processes to other people? Yeah, I don't know that you ever fully feel 100 percent comfortable. Right. There's always that like, wait, did they do it? Did I have to double check what's happening? But what happened was I went to a conference as a like a business conference as a solo entrepreneur. And my eyes were open with the people that were in that room. We were in New York City. I'm from Wisconsin. So it was I flew on an airplane, go to this event two days. I'm thinking I don't even have time to be here, but I'm just going to get in, get the information and get out. And I'm talking to these people and they're on vacation and they're staying in New York for 10 days and they're going to hang out while they're here. And their team is back home, like doing all this stuff while they're on vacation. And I'm going, okay. there's no like my world does not look like that right now. And we're not even able to start dreaming of that. And I was starting to realize that I couldn't compete with somebody that had a team of 10. I couldn't compete with even somebody that had three people working full time and I was a solopreneur. And I realized that the competitors, when I stepped into the dance world, I had a competitor that was 15 years old and a competitor that was 30 years old. They had a team and I was trying to compete with them with just me. And that was not working. And the more I started to say, okay, I need to build my own dream team here and start. And and the best part is just because they were 15 and 30 years old doesn't mean they were good at leading either. Right. They might have been leading, but not well. And I started to really spend my time and energy on my dream team and really building that that team up. And the more I started to practice delegating, of course, mistakes, lessons learned. Oh, did I? I guess I forgot to mention the deadline and now they took two weeks instead of what I wanted it. Right. It's like, oh, shoot, I didn't say that. And now she took it literal. And I guess I wasn't that specific. Right. So the more you start to delegate, you will learn what you need to do. And and it's different for every person. We all have different personalities. I might be able to tell Justin something and he just needs this much. Whereas Mateen might need me to talk for five, 10 minutes on the same project because he's more like the little details, right? So you have to start to study like who your people are. They all take personality tests. So I know who can handle me saying something in a certain way and who needs a little bit more love and just like nurturing before I drop a ball, like something happened last week. It's great advice. Um, I I, want to go back to uh, the, the name of, of your business, you know, the foot traffic formula, um, it's, it's catchy. Um, and yet it's so simple because, you know, on your, on your website, it says getting more customers in the door, you know, playing yeah. off of foot traffic formula, obviously in these times with everybody being remote and there not being much face-to-face interaction, um, that takes on a different kind of meaning, but yeah. still, if you're a small business owner, if you're an entrepreneur, you need to be out there getting new business. You need to be out there getting referrals. Um, where, where do you start with that? You know, for somebody who's maybe brand new and they're, they're just getting their business up off the ground. Um, where, where do you kind of dive in with, with those people on that? Yeah. So I think in the beginning, especially when you are brand new, you've got to find a few people to say yes. And then you need to love on them and give them the attention and that amazing customer experience. When you do a great job for those people, they will naturally refer, right? That's one of the things that I, I, I want people to understand is do such a good job that when somebody says, does anybody know of, they're like, yes, you need to go here. We use them. We loved them, right? I refer people to so many different places when they are giving amazing customer experiences. So this is where good 
is not good enough, right? This is where you better wow them and surprise and delight and all of that. Now, I do love referral incentives and giving people like, just so you know, when you referred, here's what you're going to get. But then I also do like the direct TV model of like, they both get something. I don't want my referrals to be a surprise. I don't want somebody signing up and thinking, oh, like she got a referral. So that's why she told me to come here. I want it to be public knowledge that like, hey, you should sign up. I love it. And you're going to get this and I'm going to get this. Yeah. And and I'm thinking now, now you got me thinking because your mentality, it's like, I have a sports background and now I'm working in corporate America, but a lot of my sports background helps me in corporate America. Now I know your background is dance Mm -hmm. and uh, you dominated that. And now you have the online business. So did that, uh, your background from dance help you a lot when you went, created your own business online? Yeah. I think um, just in general, like who you are, before, whatever you were doing before, there are things that you are learning that that will stick with you, that you will take. Um, You know, having to be resilient, having to be practicing behind the scenes for a one minute performance, you know, six months later, that relates to business a lot. There's a lot of things I do in my home office that you never see me do. And then I go to put out something and it looks like I created it in two minutes and I've been working on it for months, right? Um, So yeah, there are definitely things that that happen. I think even just looking at um, my mom, my mom is one of those people that over delivers. She like wants to give you the world. Like she's just a very nice person. And as much as I think she's a little too nice, sometimes I definitely have grabbed some of that in my customer experience. And I'll, I'll share this story with you. So my mom was at, um, she was like a stay at home grandma and she came to one of my dance recitals and she's watching the kids. And one of our students, parents lost their car keys my mother says to this man, I'll drive you home and you can get your second set of car seats, car, car keys. Okay. So then he, he's like, oh my goodness, like that is so kind. Like, perfect. So let's do it. Where do you live? 55 minutes away from where we were. Okay. So my mom says, she, so she still agrees. Like, no problem. Let's do it. I'm not doing anything. I, she's going to drive him 50 minutes one way, 50 minutes back to the recital. So all of a sudden she's driving in the car. And she said they actually pants past like another dance studio and another dance studio. And she's like, why do you come here when you're passing all these other studios? And he said, because no other studio would have just driven me 50 minutes to get my car keys. Wow. And it wasn't like my mom is in this business and she's the person that they're talking about. But I do think the way that she treats people I have seen. And I have started to do. And it's like one of those things in our customer experience that is getting people to, I mean, I bet that man told many people that story about what we did, right? Oh, the worst part about that story is the keys they found, he threw them away in the garbage can at the recital venue. Oh, 100%. They were right there. He didn't even need to go home. They were like right on the facility. So my point is, is I think who you've been and who you have grown up to be and, and all of these things that your parents and grandparents or somebody that was really close to you, a really great teacher, they've instilled things in you that you will use and you get to choose to use those, right? Yeah. So so that actually, uh, to, to piggyback off of that, um, you know, I want to ask you about your why, you know, why, why you do this, you know, what, what gives you the most satisfaction um, out of helping people, helping small business owners and helping entrepreneurs? 
I think I've seen so many business owners struggle, right? I've been that person. Um, I think like even going back to that first conference of being in the room and not knowing a thing about what I was doing, it was like, I was good at dance. I didn't know how to run a business. Yes, my family ran a business, but construction and dance, these are very different things. They couldn't coach me through a lot of it. So as I'm sitting in there and people were just like very generous, like you should do this, you should try that. Like people giving me their business cards saying, call me if you need something, right? I remember one time I flew to Utah, another dance studio owner, she let me come into her studio for two days and she just taught me for eight hours each day for free, wouldn't even let me pay her. And when I was experiencing those things, going through that struggle and now I'm kind of, I don't want to say on the other side of it because there's always, you know, twists and turns coming your way. But now I feel like I'm I'm in a place where, I see the old me that needs a little help that is very overwhelmed, very, but like, but the right person that like, I can see sometimes like this person is going to blow up this business. Like he or she is the right person. They just need a little help. And that for me is fun. Like I enjoy it. And I love seeing like that little, like, okay, you just need this. Like I said before, that transferring the confidence. Sometimes that's all they need is a little confidence to say like, you've got this. And then they start to believe it too. That, that sounds, Stacey, like really sound advice, not just for business, but also for, for being a parent. Mm-hmm. And one thing we haven't touched on yet is the fact that you are also a working mom. So what is that like for you? You know, you know, finding time for your family, finding time for your clients, because so many people out there are, are struggling right now trying to strike that balance. Yeah, definitely. I think for me, um, being very intentional about what my calendar and my schedule looks like. So, you know, when when we when I drop off the kids at school, I've got like this little chunk of window they're virtual schooling at the moment, but they go back on Monday, fingers crossed. Um, but when, when I drop them off, right, I've got this window. And for me, like my mom hat is off and I am fully focused on the business. I wrap up my day around three o'clock. I pick them up from school and the work hat is done. My, my computer, even though it's a laptop, which can be very dangerous <laughs> when you're a small business owner, it stays in my office. I close my I close this up. I do not come back in here for the night. I'm really just trying to be more, um, just really focused on what do my kids see? Do they see me on my phone? Do they see the computer on my laptop all the time? Like, like what, what does this look like to them? Because I also like my dream, people always think like, do you want your kids to be dancers? And I'm like, I want my kids to be business owners. I don't even care if they like dance or not. Like I want them to be business owners. But when I say that, I realize they're looking at me to make that decision. Do they like what they see mom doing or are they thinking this looks miserable and they would rather just work for somebody else and clock out, right? So when I remember that I hope they choose this journey, I have to make sure that I am being the model of like an amazing opportunity versus just like one headache after another, right? So being very intentional about what they see, uh, what I'm doing and when I'm present, am I actually present or am I on my phone the whole time? Mm, that makes all the sense in the world. Let me, now, let me ask you this. Do they dance? <laughs> so um, what's so funny <laughs> is they do this year, but last year they did not. Neither of them. One quit. My my one that I thought was going to love it the most quit mid-year. I'm like, oh, great. The studio owner's kid is being the naughty one in class <laughs> and now quits. Um, and it's funny because they came back this year to it. But, you know, and it's like if they love it, great. But I I loved it. It was my passion. I want them to find their thing. So I'm just really here to like put things in front of them and then see what they gravitate towards. 
I like that because I was going to ask you, how did you handle them quitting? I know you love it so much. I know. Yeah. <laughs> but I think that was one of the things that I realized too, is I think we live in this world where a lot of times like parents are not like, they're not fulfilled. So they start to like, what can I do with my children or what can I do with my child? And I think the more like we can be happy with who we are and what we're doing, the less we'll be so attached to like them finding this one thing that they have to be like obsessed with. Right. I want them to find that thing, but I want, I want to give them options and opportunities and, and see what happens. Well, you, you've certainly found your rhythm, Stacy. Um, you know, you're, you're, you're doing your thing. Your business is growing. Um, what are your, what are your, your, your next steps? I mean, you, you've got so much going on and you yeah. said, you know, you've always been big on goals and setting really, really big goals. So, yeah. I mean, as you look to the future and, and what you want to keep doing, what, what thoughts come to mind? So with the brick and mortar, it's get through this year. <laughs> like, like, please just get through this year. And, and here's the thing for me, um, you know, at first I was like, oh, best case scenario is we only lose this much money. And then I'm like, best case scenario is we, we break even. I'm like, you know what? wouldn't it be amazing if I could get through a pandemic and say we even profited that we went through, we got through it and we were resourceful and we came out on the other side. So for me, there is a major focus on my brick and mortar, definitely starting to be more strategic and just really lean. I think we got a little complacent being 18 years old and just had our systems going time to start to innovate a little bit over there. We've actually added in some really cool online things that are going to be launching in the next couple of weeks, um, which makes my business even more secure. It makes it even more attractive, even more sellable and very different in our area. And then scaling our our online business. We've got a phenomenal program that's helping people. And it's just as many, how many businesses can I save this year? How many people can I help get through this pandemic? Like that is where we're focused. Processes, projects, people. Yeah. Write it, write it down, folks. Uh, Stacy, great, great conversation today. Before we let you go, tell people who are interested uh, in finding out more about you and your business, how they can do that. Yeah. So my podcast is called Foot Traffic. So you can find it anywhere podcasts can be found on social media everywhere. I am at Stacey Tushel. And you have made a comment like sometimes I have so much content. It's overwhelming. One thing that we're doing um, with my team is we have people. I have a team. I have people that help me in my DMs. You may DM me and they might be like, hi, this is Kristen Stacey's, you know, social media manager, whoever you get. They'll tell you who it is. They don't pretend to be me. But they will literally get to know you to say, this is a podcast you should listen to. This is like, we literally have people kind of like Netflix is curated for you. We want to curate the content and tell you where we think your business should be or what you should be listening to to help you. So we've got lots of great resources, but definitely connect with me in the DMs and we'll put you in the right place. Great ideas. Great stuff. Stacey Tushel, thanks so much for joining us. It's really been great. Thanks, guys. To make sure you never miss an episode of Power Forward, subscribe wherever you find your podcasts and leave us a review. And look for another new episode coming your way two weeks from now featuring more inspirational stories of success. I'm Justin White. We'll see you next time on Power Forward.